Hey everyone, welcome to Saturday Night Popcorn. This is Jason. And this is Kai. And we have another great discussion for you today. Uh, the movie of the day is 310 to Yuma. It is a very old movie. It's from 1957. Uh, I just still want to give everyone a, a spoiler warning. Yeah, right. Just in case you haven't seen it. <laughs> just in case. A movie from 1957, directed by Delmer Daves. Uh, yeah, this is a, an interesting one. It was a, a, a black and white movie from 1957. Yeah. Well, the funny thing that you and I were just talking about before we started recording was we wanted to make sure we were watching the, the same movie. Uh, because there's two 310 to Yuma's. There's the original, 1957. And then there's one that was created in 2007, which I almost watched last night. <laughs> it would have been funny if we we're like what like we're talking about it like oh that didn't happen in the movie yeah i'm talking watched. about christian bale and you're just like wait what <laughs> christian bale was not in the movie i watched <laughs> which is funny uh the and this this movie like we talked about the criterion collection quite a bit but this movie is part of the criterion collection the 1957 version yes uh, the new one yeah, not the new one. And and I, I actually own the the so that'll kind of answer the question that I have that that we typically have at the end of the podcast. But I actually own the physical copy of this movie from the Criterion Collection. I was like doing like a random like, oh, I have like this much money to spend. Uh so I just bought like three random movies. And one of them was this one, 310 to Yuma. And they have special features that you can watch. And I watched it at the end of the movie when I was done with the movie, but they had an interview done by, by the Criterion Collection uh, interviewing the writer of the original comic mm. that is titled 310 to Yuma. And so they're talking to him and everything. And he like, he, he talked about like, Oh, he's like, I, I always loved Westerns. He talked about, he wrote for these like 10 cent Westerns, these like comics, western that were like 15 cents at the time and so he was talking about and he's talking about the movies and he's like yes he loved this movie that we we were going to be talking about the 1957 movie and he's like but the net that the the new one from 2007 he's like i don't know what they did oh <laughs> because, no yeah there was like uh talking about the end the the director decided to change the end of the movie and the oh. end of the story and he's like he said he like he he knew some of the writers on the movie and he's like hey mm -hmm. like who said that that was supposed to be done and the guy oh. and the people were like oh the director wanted it that way and he's like Goodness. it doesn't make sense right and then they they said that <laughs> the writers were like no but we have to do what he says <laughs> <laughs> we already got paid so. so you can tell he was like no i do not like that but he just like he he had a point of like i he's like for me to make a writing or make a living out of writing he was like i want to write to be for my stories to be sold to production companies mm -hmm. and i guess he kind of like already alludes to like all right well if you're gonna do that you kind of have to go with the punches of like people changing your story because now you sold it to the production company and stuff i don't know but yeah at that point it's out of your hands like whatever they want to do they can do right yeah so it's like you you are the person that could be like the person that like oh is the all-knowing of the story but if the director some director wants to come in and be like i want to be the next christian 
or uh, Christopher Nolan and, and they want to change everything. It's like, you have to go with it. It's like, just let the movie go backwards. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? That doesn't make sense for this movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get into the movie. Uh, what, yeah. what, what would you like most about the movie? So I don't have too many notes, but like, one of the things that stood out when I started it <clears throat> It really like the opening was reminiscent of like a Tarantino movie, like with the score or with the song that was playing, and then the wide shot of the horses running through the the frame. Yeah, I just felt like, man, I'm in a Tarantino movie right now. <laughs> it, it could be like that's where some inspiration. We know Tarantino actually watches like a crazy amount of movies. Yeah, so everything. I think. His like internal database of like different scenes must be like astronomical. Mm. And to know where he's pulling things from, man, you watch some of these movies, you're like, oh, that totally is like probably what Tarantino got that like idea or something. Yeah. Like he makes he makes it his own and everything and, and all that stuff. We we know Tarantino's great at doing that, but yeah, you see these little like these little inspirations from these other like long ago movies, and you see how mm. far back his his collection of knowledge can go. His repertoire. Yeah. <laughs> well, even like, I'll, I'll geek out over like people that make YouTube videos analyzing his movies mm-hmm. and they'll like pull interviews and different things and they'll show like screenshots from his, his scripts and you'll see it in the script, like reference such and such movie, uh, this scene from such and such movie like and it lands at this time of the movie and then you i guess the people that were in said movie for that particular script will go and watch that scene and then they'll cut to that scene in his movie and you're like holy shit like i get it like i get the inspiration but he really he truly made it his own yeah 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 he gets like little things like the white shots and everything that we we saw like i feel like this movie 310 to Yuma would mm-hmm. probably give a majority of the inspiration to his uh the hateful eight. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And so which is maybe a little Django. A little bit of Django, yeah. So it's like you, you see where like you you have wide shots of a carriage kind of walking or driving, riding through, uh, kind of a setting. And that 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 was nice to see. Like that that mm-hmm. opening shot, I think, sets the tone for what yeah. you're gonna see down it the road. It was pretty too. Yeah, right. And, and all right, let me ask you this. Do you do you mm-hmm. believe that they actually like filmed this movie like out in like that area and stuff? Like, or oh, was this on sure. a set? Yeah, right. No, like you can't like, have that. I think there are some pieces <clears throat> and I actually have that as one of my likes. Like I, I really enjoyed the pace and the flow of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't too fast, wasn't too slow. Like you got to digest everything as it occurred. But then I, I really like the, the locations and the sets. Like that opening shot seemed like, hey, let's go out to the desert of Arizona or Utah. Let's get this beautiful shot. But then they also have sets that they built um, to have like Western towns, like the confrontation city. Like that was for sure a set. But it didn't feel like a set. Like it felt like they found some abandoned like Western town. They were like, hey, let's film real quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> or the people come back. Yeah, it did seem like that where it's like, and and I think that 
that adds to those those movies back then where like nowadays you see there's you can tell it feels like, like things a set. are yeah, it feels like a set, things are mm. CGI and stuff. You're putting that like background, which has made production easier now. Yeah. Like you can only imagine like back then, like lugging all that crap all over the place and stuff. Having and to build to... it, like taking yeah. months and months to build it. Yeah, but <clears throat> it it adds to the character of the movie. You're you feel like you're like transported to the West and everything, and you're going to the saloon with the with the other guys too. I don't know if you've seen it, but they have a documentary on uh, Apocalypse Now. And they oh, talk no. about, yeah, they talk about the set design and like how long it took. I think it was like four months, if not longer, for them to like build every set out there. And then it got Jeez. destroyed in like a hurricane at some point. So they had to rebuild it. <laughs> oh my God. And then you have yeah. fat Marlon Brando come in. Like, I wasted my four months of my time for this fat guy coming <laughs> to Dude, wing it, it the whole time. <laughs> if you watch that documentary, it's such a shit show. <laughs> everything they go through you're just like why would you even continue lots of money like actors didn't want to do it, it yeah shit show it's, but it, it made it work it was it's yeah. a great movie <laughs> yeah. i i agree with you in terms of like the pacing because uh i got up to go make myself some like dinner and stuff while uh while we kind of watched like half of it and then got and then stopped to like get some dinner and stuff mm-hmm. but um like the first thing when I when I paused the movie, I was like, I like they they take their time to tell a story and everything. Yeah. I think I think no matter what, like this thing does not have a lot of action. Like if you think no. about a Western, you think like everyone's going to be like popping off on each other and stuff. And like there's going to be like, like, like pistol duels. Yeah, like Tombstone. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Like that one had a lot of action compared yes. to this one. And and this one, maybe what, like two shootouts, I think. Right. <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, some few, and it was all like towards the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it was like the beginning, beginning. Yeah, yeah, and so that was like that was the one at the beginning was two people that like were shot and stuff, and that kind of sets the the story up. But after that, guys, yeah, right, and that's like it's like twelve of them, like they they pretend to be cattle ranchers and stuff, and but uh, (laughs) but the pacing of the story made it that you like invested in the story. Mm-hmm. And and I guess it kind of like that's what, talking about the writer. Like I wonder if the source material was so like good and detailed that mm-hmm. that like you really didn't have much to kind of like to like grow in terms of the story. Like you just keep it at, at its uh, at its pace and stuff, and and let it go and and tell its own story and stuff. And you said it was you said it was from a comic, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was that almost has the movie written for you. Like if you right? look at a comic and then look at a movie, like it already has the storyboard kind of laid out for you, mm-hmm. has the dialogue to a certain extent. You probably have to fluff it up and add some more. But if you go from a comic book to a movie, that's as close as you're going to get to like a storyboard for something. Right. And you pretty much have it there and you just yeah. got to input the real people and stuff. So I don't know how the 2007 <laughs> one messed that up. Uh, yeah, that's uh, someone they had a full on movie and a comic book they could have pulled from. Well, we, we should see if that director is still directing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it be some big name person. I know. Like, oh, <laughs> I guess he knew what he was doing. <laughs> but the, the actors, I think I, I really appreciated the actors like um, the, the main bad guy. I think he was. Mm. perfect 
to he was to lovable, kind of... like to a certain extent. Like he was a dick, but he was like like not lovable, but likable. Yeah, you can tell like he he knows how to like weasel his way out of things and stuff. And, yeah. And even at the end, it was funny because at the end, when his when his buddies showed up, when all of them showed up, and he's like, Oh yeah, well, like now you can just let me go and we'll just walk away from this. You can mm-hmm. tell his tone changed because he knows that he didn't need to weasel himself out of it at that point. Like it's going to happen. And so it seemed like he got more confident with, I don't know. It's just like my girlfriend said that she was like, Oh, his tone kind of changed like mm-hmm. towards the end when like they were going to walk to the, to the train, to the train, uh, train yeah. station. But, but even uh, when he chose to jump on the train, like, Oh, Hey, you saved me in the, in the hotel room. So I'm going to jump on this train with you. Yeah. He yeah, was a totally is. different person than who he was five minutes before that. Right. He was very kind of like detailed and stuff. It, it was like there was mm-hmm. like a lot of nuance to his to his character and stuff. And, and it's funny because like you won't believe you wouldn't believe like a, a Western kind of like story would have like a lot of nuance to a character, especially the bad guy, too. Because typically the yeah. bad guy is like, I'm the bad guy and stuff like like the bad guy from Tombstone, like the one that's like the leader and stuff. He's like some mm. like. Some dude you can tell like that's the bad guy but one dimensional yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm a bad guy <laughs> where this guy no he he has he has he, a heart he, he has a heart he he kind of sort of fell in love i don't know i take it that he kind of fell in love with the barkeep uh and the after. wife yeah and then, and then the, yeah all right let me ask you this you brought the mm-hmm. wife did was he talking about her because he said that he knew someone from san francisco it seemed like it because the way she was like giving him the googly eyes i was right like, <sighs> I was like, I was like, that's totally like, her. Yeah. So that's all. Actually, that's actually on my dislike part. My dislike notes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we can jump into that and jump back. But I have two dislikes, and they both involve that man's family—not the bad guys, but the main guy's family, the mm. wife, because of the whole googly eye situation, and then her just showing up to like uh, confrontation to... city or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, lady, you can die here. Like, what are you doing? Where are my children? And then where's yeah, where's the kids? Like I yeah. know back then, like you just left kids everywhere, but <laughs> but it's like no, like take care of the kids. Like I'm good. I'll I'll get it situated. And yeah. and then it was the kids too. I disliked the kids. The kids were just like way too rambunctious. Like, hey dad, go met go kill these outlaws. It's like, dude, what? No. Yeah, especially that dinner scene where the, the kid is like, oh, you move goodness. once, my dad's going to shoot you or I'm going to yeah. shoot you. It's like, it's like dude, all shut right. Up. Like, he's not really saying anything, but <laughs> but you can you, you can expect that like kids, even nowadays, like kids are kind of like over frivolous and stuff and like, yeah, kind of like are, are talk a little bit too much, I guess. But uh, yeah, they could have reined it in a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, we may die. Shut up. <laughs> Man, they probably see like two people uh, a year and stuff, so they're like excited that <laughs> there's a person in our house. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I end up looking up the the director for the 2007 version of it. Uh, uh-huh. I think he's doing all right. Yeah. So he directed uh, Ford vs Ferrari. Oh, that's a very good one. Yeah, right. He did Logan, which was really good, also. Hmm. He did the Wolverine, which was ah. Uh, a couple oh. TV series. Uh, he did Walk the Line. Oh, the uh, Joaquin Phoenix, the Johnny yeah, Cash the thing. Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did Copland. 
and Girl Interrupted. And there's some other stuff, but those are like the the big ones that I know of. Hey, I guess if you, I guess that's the thing about a director. You're going to have to go with the ones that fail and the ones that don't and stuff. And just hopefully you can sell yourself after the fail ones and and try to get the next one. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like there's only a few directors out there that would probably, no matter what, like get movies made, no matter what. Like that's true. Christopher Nolan, Tarantino and stuff like, I don't think they need to like sell their movies. Scorsese. Yeah. Like to production companies, production companies are probably waiting around. Like, when are you done? Do you have another one? Like what's going on? And like, we will buy it now. (laughs) Come back to us, please. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, for me, it's like I the the acting. I think, especially the bad guy, like like uh, going back to those like special features of the of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they they talked about it that they they also interviewed um, the Criterion Collection. Also decided to interview the son of the Glenn Ford who played the the bad guy Ben Wade, mm-hmm. and um, so they they interviewed his son. And then the both the writer of the original story and the son said that like actually they had like a mix up that they had Glenn Ford come in and they they accidentally told him that he was gonna play the good guy who is mm. uh uh his name's Dan Evans in the or no uh, yeah, yeah Dan yeah. Evans that he was gonna play the good guy and he's like no like that's not who I want to play. And I guess they had like a mix up. And so they actually like told him like, oh, actually, you're going to be playing the bad guy. And he's like, good. He's like, that's the person who I wanted. And they said like, probably like he wanted to play that one because that guy had more lines. Mm-hmm. But also he's the bad guy. So he he gets to have more fun and stuff with it. Yeah. Get to kill more people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But it was it was nice to hear that where it's like he 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 knew what he wanted and that like his son confirmed that like. He learned how to how to ride horses when he was young. He learned how to like actually shoot guns like revolvers from like the Western time to like hone his craft to then be able to act in these movies and stuff. So he like knew how to do it on a on a daily basis for himself and then also would do it in the in the movies. So he said like Westerns were his like favorite movies that he he would he would make. Mm. So I think you saw that. I think you saw yeah. like like his passion for the the movies like you you probably talked to uh what's his name um who's the guy that was in uh the good the bad the ugly the old Uh, old guy yeah clint eastwood you can probably ask him like what's your favorite style or like favorite genre of movie maybe since he was in so many westerns that that would be everything yeah he's been in everything basically but (laughs) but i think the acting no matter what like the the good guy too like he he had that one moment where he was like like sad and everything like he was he was emotional and mm-hmm. everything but he still tried to keep his cool and understand that he needs to do this one task to inevitably get the money that he wants the 200 dollars, yeah. which right now it doesn't seem like a lot but like probably most of us can spend 200 dollars in like an hour pretty easily yeah, which <laughs> but, is crazy yeah which is crazy but back then it was it was a lot of money and but and then it turned into where it's like i don't need the money uh, it's it, like not he does need the money but he's not doing it for the money anymore mm-hmm. but uh and i think he, no matter what i think it's he was still civil to him 
yeah. you're the bad guy. And you treat and it, him like a person. Like to invite yeah. him over for dinner is insane to me. He cut his he cut his steak for him too. Yeah. That was like an interesting. Get the choice. fat off, please. I don't like fat. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> yeah. It, it was like that was very interesting where everyone else kind of saw him as like, who cares? Like either like we kill him or we send him off to prison and let him rot. Mm-hmm. Where he kind of like understood that like it we all make choices in our lives and stuff. And and so whether or not it's good that they didn't like turn it into like a like he was like a religious person. Like sometimes like those people are like the the religious, like God fearing people. Like I need to be oh, nice yeah. to everybody, but which is not, it was nothing bad, bad or anything, it, but yeah. it turns it into like, Oh, whatever. Like, okay. He's just doing it for his own self-worth. But yeah, this one seems like he wants to do it because who cares? Like it, it's, it's still another person yeah, and everything. But that, that was, that was my, my likes. My dislike actually, the end of it was kind of slow. It slowed down like way too much. Okay, you were um, waiting for like a big time shootout. Yeah. Like I was fine with like the pacing, but then when you got to mm-hmm. the point where it was like he said like he was gonna wait till like three, three, ten minutes till till three oh, yeah. ten and stuff, till the train comes and stuff. But it, it like slowed way down and everything. It like the, the those like those five dudes that they they got to like help out in the hotel decide to leave and then it turns into like i'm begging you and stuff and then like like it it slowed down way too much at the end where yeah. sorry go ahead no go ahead sorry no it was just like yeah reiterating like it like once you got to like the train scene then you're like all right like good like i don't know if you're happy that like all right you kind of understand that it's ending soon mm-hmm. but, but like it was more so like all right it's nice that they're wrapping up the story and stuff and like we're getting to this culmination of what we're trying to lead up to because the whole yeah. story is basically just them waiting around for this train that comes at 310 to yeah. to yuma and stuff and so that's <laughs> like literally the entire point of the story which is just waiting around for a train and you're kind of holed up it's almost like those like it's like uh like the early versions of those movies that like um like the assault on precinct 13 and it and everything those like where you're like stuck in a spot oh, and yeah. other people are coming to get you and so it's like it's like a it's like a an early version of those types of movies where uh you're you're kind of just waiting around and you're trying to buy time until the inevitable that you have to go and do something yeah i was thinking like that the final scenes reminded me of um Grand Theft Auto, where you have to do like the sneak mode, like the stealth mode. Uh-huh. Because how slow it was. <laughs> like hiding behind <laughs> freaking fences and uh, horses. Walking through smoke. It's like this reminds me of Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the like like Grand Theft Auto, weirdly enough, like you kind of know uh Grand Theft Auto, like you get to a point where you're like you're playing the game and you get to a point where you're like, oh, it's about to end. And you kind mm-hmm. of understand that because it slows down and then it ramps up to the very end. And it's like, yeah. it doesn't let you get up and like save the game because it's like, no, you you're like, finish. you're in the final mission and stuff yeah. and all this stuff. <laughs> I always kind of know it's like, oh crap, I should have known that before. Like, I only have like 30 minutes left. <laughs> like, I just want to drive around and shoot people. Come on, yeah. please. <laughs> I don't want to be in the final mission yet. I have everything unlocked. Come on. <laughs> but, uh, 
but yeah, like it, it was a, it was a good enjoyable movie and yeah. and um and talking about like we wanted to kind of do a a, a mixture of westerns for this for this month mm-hmm. with an interlude of Creed as we did last week. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it it like I feel like these movies like set the stage for these like grand like Tombstone. I think you would never be able to make a Tombstone movie without like the success of like this movie 310 to yuma or other yeah other westerns before it. the good the bad the ugly once upon a time in the west yeah yeah so like you definitely and the, to the, have an ensemble cast of like in tombstone to be like i want to do this because i've seen these previous westerns and they, they look a lot of fun and may, maybe they look fun to them and everything so it was enjoyable yeah i yeah, it was a fun watch again. It wasn't long, like it was. No, it was like ninety, 90 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah, ninety minutes. You got in, got out, and it was a fun ride. It, funny thing, uh, <clears throat> um, what what I was kind of like talking about, like, like the the shots that they did in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, the beginning, like like we we were seeing like the the beginning beginning intro. And they they have some shots where like they have a camera on the stagecoach with them, mm-hmm. and it's like move moving around and stuff. I was thinking, man, that like I told my girlfriend, I was like, the size of cameras back then, that probably would have been hard. Yeah, because they had it on the tripod for sure. Because how big it was. Yeah, and then like moving it around like that in in. Like be like, and it was like an over the shoulder shot of the the stagecoach driver. So it's like, I would like to know how the hell they did that because it's like, how, how big are those freaking cameras? Like 50, 100 pounds, maybe? <laughs> Just two guys with them, with it yeah. lifted on their shoulder trying to like stay as still as possible. Yeah, they cost like thousands of dollars back then. It's like, oh, yeah. we broke two of them because we wanted this one shot. The studios <laughs> broke. We yeah. Broke two cameras. <laughs> But you you get a sense as to why it was introduced into the Criterion Collection. Like, yeah. like it's a good story. It's a straightforward story. Like, don't mm-hmm. like. There's nothing wrong with that and stuff. No and it, it, yeah. it's well shot too. It's it. Yeah. There's a little, it's and to have the detail of like, like we talked about it before with Persona, where I think black and white kind of like, like gives you a good amount of detail that you would never believe when like oh like you saturate the color out of it. They you would think you'll lose stuff with like black and white, but no, like you, you have a lot of contrast, especially those night shots. Yeah. Uh, like you, it looked like it was like moonlit because back then, like the moon was probably the brightest thing in the sky. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> or is <laughs> I can't. science. I know science. So it is the brightest <laughs> thing in the sky. <laughs> I was, I was watching a YouTube video earlier and uh, it was from like a YouTube filmmaker. And he was talking about the difference between like color, like watching something that was shot in color versus black and white. <clears throat> and he was saying, if you watch something in color, you're kind of distracted by the colors, the saturation. So you're not really mm-hmm. focusing on the shot itself. But for black and white, you focus more on what you're seeing in the frame. And I think this is a testament to that. I, I I can see that. I, I that's a that's a real good description of like because yeah, you can get lost by the vibrancy of like mm-hmm. like you can almost kind of like overshadow or like cover up 
your mistakes in cinematography yes. maybe with like yes. having too much of a vibrant uh like color color scale where that that's interesting that's a good way to kind of like look at that yeah and it does i think it does like we're so used to seeing things in color like uh with all of our media and stuff but when you take it back to a black and white you it makes you instantly stop. yeah yeah, yeah you so focus different. on it mm-hmm. well well, let me ask you, uh, what, what do we typically ask our rating first? Uh, yeah, rating. What, 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 what did you rate it? I gave it a three. A three? Uh, I would give it three and a half. I, I probably would raise it. I, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, like we said, it was straightforward. No fluff. Yeah, I would give it a three and a half. I gave it a three, but I'm, I'm probably going to raise it after we finish recording to a three and a half. Yeah, I I saw your rating. I, I ended up giving it a four actually, and and I was like debating between actually a three and a half and a four, mm-hmm. and because I was like when I got to the end when it like slowed down and and yeah. and it, it got too like a little bit too too bogged down, um, I was like all right like a three and a half, but I was like I look back and I was like I liked the story. It was fun. It was entertaining. Um, the good acting on on everyone's part, like no matter what and stuff. So. Uh, and the set pieces were were it, it, these set pieces match Tombstone and stuff like how big and wide shot these like it made you immersed in this kind of like world mm-hmm. of which was like technically only like what now 120 years ago, uh, which is not a crazy amount of time. Back yeah. then in 1957, it was like 50 years before that or something. <laughs> it was crazy, but uh, but yeah, so it's like I, I end up keeping it with the four and stuff and maybe I'll rewatch it and, and fluctuate the the rating with that. But uh, I really enjoyed it. And, and it was a, it was a fun watch to kind of watch just on the couch and stuff and just enjoy it. Yeah. Sick. Sit back, kick your feet up. Yeah. Right. And and <clears> it's <throat> like, you're still paying attention to it. It's still in, in an engaging story, uh, but it's still a, a wild ride of like this tension too. But but uh, what about uh? It, we already know my answer. I already own this movie uh, from <laughs> from the Criterion Collection. But uh, would you see yourself uh, owning this movie for yourself? I would watch it again first. Mm-hmm. I think I would. I think I would have to watch it again before I buy it, though. Yeah, I guess it depends on like other Western movies. Like, you, if you want to have like a, a a subsection of your collection to be like westerns, like of those westerns, does this kind of like get put onto the shelf for you um for me it's already on the shelf <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're good to go <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna do that again sometime soon uh just kind of go on the criterion collection just like buy random movies just close again. your eyes and start just poke the yeah, screen just, just hope i don't spend too much money <laughs> 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 but uh all right Kai, any last thoughts no, uh, check out 310 to Yuma from 1957, not yes. from 2007. 19- I don't know, maybe watch the 2007 and and have a, a contrast of like, all right, like here's the good one. And this maybe here's the <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we, we we totally encourage people to to watch this movie. It was, it was very enjoyable. Yes. But uh, all right, Kat, you want to take us out? Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of Saturday Night Popcorn. I'm Kai. And I'm Jason, and we'll be back next week for another one.